Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And we are here for week number four of the NFL season. Now, as you guys may have noticed, we had a short absence last week. Um, I can assure you it had nothing to do with the Saints beating the Patriots. Um, <laughs> it just so happened that we were unavailable last week, but we are back again this week. AJ, my brother, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, bro. Um, trying to settle in. As you know, I switched one NFC East location for another in terms of being my hometown. <laughs> so, yeah, so let me say that it was it was kind of my fault that we had to take a little break. I had a little road trip that, you know, caused me to be unavailable at that point. But, yeah, we are here. I'm here in, in, in the city of America's team trying to settle in. <laughs> well, I know that you just traded in the Washington football team games every Sunday for the Dallas Cowboys so. games. Every Sunday. You know what? I don't mind it. The Cowboys actually look good, but we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> get into that. Now, this week, as we always go off the rip, we are starting with our blitz. And we're going to do our blitz a little different this week as we've done in the past. Now, I'm just going to run through the games and we'll give you our thoughts. Of course, we will still talk about which teams we believe had moral victories and best win, worst loss, that kind of stuff. But we'll start on Thursday night where the Bengals beat the Jaguars 24-21. to Do you have a quick thought on the Bengals and the Jaguars? Um, I'm actually really glad I got to see some of this game. Uh, that night particularly, I was on the road. Um, so I didn't catch the entire game. However, for me, it was a big, it, it was going to be a big game because, um, well, you know, I watch, a, I watch a bit more college football than you do, right? Yes. So I know that coming out of college for the last two seasons, the talk has always been about Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence, as in who's a better quarterback, you know, and obviously Joe Burrow came out a year before Trevor. So I knew that the storyline was going to be a matchup of these two. And <laughs> to me, it didn't disappoint. Trevor Lawrence tried his best to put this team on his back after they went down. Uh, but it just wasn't to be Joe Burrow right now looks. I mean, he has a year on Trevor, right? But even so, I think his organization, his team is a better team. His organization seems to be a lot more um, capable and they're, they're better run. And he just looks like the more seasoned NFL quarterback at this point. And as much as Joe Burrow is trying, his team is his team and organization are just not good. And Trevor coaches, Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, sorry, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the, that team and organization, they're just not good. And his coach is just a Randy old man who has no morals. So <laughs> yeah. So it's it's, it's it's going to be tough for him. But I, I did like to see the fight that he put up and the Jags generally too, like James Robinson, like that guy. But the team is just not good. So I'm not surprised that they lost, um, albeit in overtime. But, you know, glad I got to see a little bit of that. That game was a little bit more action-packed than I expected. Yeah, it was definitely a better spectacle than, I pro than probably everyone anticipated. Because... One thing that we have to say so far is that the schedule makers have been extremely kind to us with the primetime games. We've not really had a bad primetime game yet for the season. 
Mm-hmm. Now, my thoughts were when they looked at this is that again, the Jaguars can't close games up. The Jaguars are still winless on the season. And Urban Meyer, as a coach, he also is struggling. Now, one of the things that people were making mention of is the fact that Urban is not accustomed to losing. Trevor, first loss of his entire career was week one in the NFL. And so he has as many losses in the NFL as he had throughout his entire college career. There you go. So now he has, the, the two of them now have to get accustomed to this new reality, which is mm-hmm. their team is not good and everybody is better than them and they're still getting lashes. Now, the team actually, right off the bat, where I had for the moral victory was actually the Bengals. Because, you know, the Bengals have had a history when they had Marvin Lewis as their coach where they couldn't win on prime time. Yeah, but, they, but they won on prime time. True. And they put up a very good performance Mm -hmm. in prime time. And while we're going to get to it a little bit later on, the Bengals are three and one. The Bengals right now aren't the Bungles. So that is definitely definitely, um, something for them to build on. And as you said, Joe Burrow, 25 of 38, 342 yards, two touchdowns. It was a great outing for him. It was. Sunday, we quickly moved to Sunday's games. We had the Titans losing to the Jets, 24 to 27. What do you have on that one? So, um, funny you just mentioned your moral victory. The Jets are my moral victory. Mm. And I'll tell you why. Because we know that the Jets are not good. We didn't expect them to be good this year because they're rebuilding, right? They just got rid of the quarterback that they drafted a, a few years back to go back into the top five and draft another quarterback. Yes. Right? We know that the Jets aren't supposed to win a lot of games this season. They, they won, what, two last year? Yes. We, we don't expect them to jump from two to, like, double-digit wins. Ken, we don't expect them to be good. So to see them beat the Titans, and, and regardless, like, I don't care who the Titans are missing. I know that both Julio and um, AJ Brown were out. But mm-hmm. still, this is a team that won the division last year. And if I remember correctly, weren't they in the AFC Championship? It was it was Titan Chiefs. Who who was it last year? Or was it Bills? Either it was way, Bills. Anyway, it was, it was Bills. Bills. It was the Bills. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm saying Titans. Either way, either mm-hmm. way, this is a team who is supposed to expected to dominate their division, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they had two receivers out, but generally they're supposed to be a bit more of a complete team. And <laughs> to lose in that manner on the day, and and that's why I give um, the Jets credit, and would call them my moral victory because. It's not easy going into overtime and holding your nerve and coming out with that win. Like you would expect that because the Titans are the more um, experienced team, that they would have been able to, you know, see it through. Like overtime would have been uh, more generous to them than it was to the Jets, but that didn't happen. So I was actually really impressed by the manner of the win. So the Jets are my moral victory. Well, for everything that you just said. That is why I have the Tennessee Titans as my biggest losers of the weekend. <laughs> because, the, as you said, the Jets aren't good. I'm not going back through everything that you just said. But mm-hmm. the fact still remains that the Titans, who have aspirations of being in the AFC Championship game or even in the Super Bowl, they needed to find a way to win the probably the easiest game on their schedule. Mm-hmm. And they completely wet the bed. So, I'm... I don't have to spend any longer on that. The, <laughs> the Titans are my biggest losers of the weekend. Now, yeah. next up, we have the Lions. The Lions lost to the Bears 14 to 24. Your thoughts? 
I don't know what to say about the Lions anymore. Honestly, I've, we've spoken about the Lions ad nauseum since this season started. <laughs> now, honestly, Ken, like we've given the Lions a lot of airtime. Mm-hmm. They look better under Dan Campbell. Both of us are a bit pleasantly surprised at that because he seemed like a freak um, <laughs> from, his, from his opening interview, right? But the team actually seems like, they, like they're a bit more of a cohesive unit than they were in the last couple of seasons, but they just still can't equal wins. And it's the Lions. So, I mean, while we do give them credit for being better, they're still the Lions. They're still going to lose games. And the Bears ain't not good neither. But you would expect the, the Bears to win that game. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the one thing for me that came out of that game is that Justin Fields got his first win. Mm. And Detroit is still the Lions, as you just said. No, the one thing that we do have to watch coming out of that game, though, is the Montgomery knee injury. Um, they said right. that he is currently looking at probably being out for three weeks. So mm-hmm. that is definitely something we will keep an eye on. Next up was oh. the Colts and the Dolphins. Now, the Colts won that game 27 to 17. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? So here is where I go with my biggest winner. And I have them as the Colts. And the reason is because I feel like the Colts season was flying under the radar because of all the other storylines that we had, right? Mm-hmm. The Colts are 0-3, Ken. That is terrible given what they have invested in coming into this season, right? Mm-hmm. This is a team that's supposed to be playoff ready. They're supposed to be a good offensive team with pieces all over, a, a, a good defensive unit, and all they needed was a quarterback. They, they leveraged their, their immediate future on, on trying to, to resurrect the remains of Carson Wentz, right? Mm-hmm. And they were 0-3. Now, granted, their division isn't good because two of the other teams in the division are a dumpster fire, and we just spoke about the Titans. So it's, it's essentially the two of them. However, the Titans are the division champs, and they're the ones trying to play catch-up, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it means that based on how things went last year, you would expect that they, um, they would be looking, based on how things went last year, they would be looking more for a, a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. And essentially, they were falling behind the other AFC teams. Because you have three teams in the North who are three and one. You know, so essentially what I'm saying is there are other teams who have been doing better in terms of like just uh, advancing in, ter- in the wild card race. And the Colts were falling behind. They were 0-3. So they needed this win. They really needed this win. They could not fall, fall into an 0-4 hole and, and essentially hope to get into the postseason from there. I don't think it would have happened. So this, while this is also some kind of small moral victory, essentially, in terms of just putting a, a, a one under that W, they needed this. They really needed this. Okay. Well, my notes on this game were very, very short. The Colts still don't look very good. Vince was okay with his 75% completion percentage, 228 yards and two touchdowns. However, the Dolphins look worse. So you had a bad team and a worse team. Worse. So, yep. And we move on. (laughs) Next up, the New York Giants. They beat the Saints in overtime 27 to 21. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, this is a, I kind of want it to be, I don't like to, believe it or not, I don't like to talk about your team very much, you know, um, I, I was very shocked. I mean, I, I, 
one thing that did come to mind, and this was solely for fantasy purposes, but I did like to see that Saquon was getting back to the Saquon of old. He had like, I think, uh, 120, something like 126 scrimmage yards. Um, he was catching the ball. He was running it. Uh, he was looking good, essentially. Um, Kenny Galladay had 100 receiving yards, if I remember correctly, somewhere about there as well. The Giants, the offense seemed to be perking on the day. Um, no, they're still not a good, they're still not a good team. They're not going to be in the postseason. Uh, but it, it was just my main take. You know, I hate the Giants. I hate the Giants. But my main takeaway was that I have Saquon in fantasy, and I was glad to see that he put up some some numbers this week. I, I like to see. I also do like to see um, these redemption stories where you know guys bouncing back from injuries and getting back to the old self. So in the first few weeks, he looked a bit timid. Um, so I feel like this was, yeah, this might be the spark that ignites him for the rest of the season. So I watched this game. I watched this game in its entirety. I had two games on. This was on the TV, and I had something else on my tablet as I was watching. This Saints on my team. Everybody knows the Saints on my team. And I was very, very frustrated watching that game because, again, we have, we are still running this very conservative offense where Jameis is not really getting to. I don't want to say do Jameis things because do Jameis things comes with an air of recklessness, but he's not getting an opportunity to make plays and Jameis is a playmaker. Alvin Kamara did not have a single target in that game. The first time for his career, he has gone targetless in a game. He did not have a single target, but we are running him through the tackles Mm -hmm. a lot. Whereas in the past, we were using him more on the edges and not so mm-hmm. much through the tackles. Mm-hmm. I personally had a little thing where Kamara is concerned because in a lot of cases, you see running backs who will be willing to take on the extra tackler. They would, they would lower their shoulder and try to run through somebody to get the extra yard. Kamara not, has not been that guy majority of his career. Mm-hmm. He will step out of bounds before he takes yeah. that extra hit. So now he's he's changed and he's running through the tackles. He's hitting men. He's really, you know, making things happen on the interior. But it doesn't make sense what I'm seeing. We had a we were up on the Giants with the ball, and instead of you allowing your quarterback to quarterback the game and let us go down and at least try to get three points to make sure mm-hmm. that it, it becomes a two-possession game and the Jets don't have a chance to kick a field goal. You take the ball out of James's hand. We run three players that don't get anywhere. We go three and out. The Giants come down and score and then we're going to overtime. We lose the coin flip and then they come and score again. Our defense did not look good for the majority of this game. And then we had the full ex- the full Taysom Hill experience, where Taysom Hill runs for two touchdowns, he breaks seven tackles going for one of them, and he throws an interception. It's like, what are we doing? That it was these. That was the most frustrating thing for me this entire weekend. But you notice I didn't pick them as the biggest loser because somebody else earned that um that rank this week. 
All right. So after that, then we had the Texans. The Texans got shut out by the Bills, 40 to 0. Your thoughts? I did not prepare a single line to speak about the Houston Texans. We can move on. <laughs> well, the my note for this game is that the Bills now have two shuttle victories this season in the first four weeks. The Bills are definitely looking legit. They look like if they are the team, one of the teams to beat in the AF. It's more like they had an extra bye week. Well, that could also be <laughs> possible. Next up, the Browns. The Browns beat the Vikings in Minnesota 14-7. to I think the Browns are a really good football team, you know. I think the Browns are actually a really good football team. And, you know, you know, I'm a Baker guy, but I do understand that he has limitations. Baker was terrible on the day. All things considered, he was terrible. He was 15 to 33, I think, for 100 and some odd yards and had like a 59 um, passer rating or something like that. He was, he was not good, but the team still won. The defense did what they needed to do. And even though the offense couldn't get it clicking, and that's kind of what you need sometimes. Some days you're not going because they're not, it's not like they have won in the past, so they know um the team is constructed to, to know how to win week in and week out. They're going to be one of those teams that are going to struggle from time to time and they need to grind out wins. And they did that. So I was really impressed. The, the Vikings are a joke. The Minnesota Vikings are a joke. That's all I can say about them. Dalvin, Dalvin Cook played. Did Dalvin Cook really? He's he did play this week. He played, but he was not as effective as he usually right. would be. Yeah. Side note, that's why I stayed away from this guy in fantasy. But <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah, the Vikings are a joke. I'm, I'm sorry. They're a joke. Well, my note for this one is that Zimmer, Zimmer is always on the hot seat. And it's not like if he's that we put him on the hot seat unfairly. He earns all of the fire under his pooch every single <laughs> year he really does every mm -hmm. single year we move on the washington football team where you just um, skedaddled from they beat the falcons at atlanta 34 to 30 talk about jokes <laughs> <laughs> you know my disdain with the falcons already mm -hmm. so um well one of the earlier thoughts is that i I, I'm wondering what is to become of Kyle Pitts. I'm not seeing enough of the Falcons to be able to judge his talent or his talent or his place in the offense, rather. Um, so I don't know if it is just that this team is not being do, like doing enough offensively and not involving him enough offensively. But again, I, I watched college ball. He's one of the, the players that I was um, admiring coming out of college. So. It's kind of hard to see that he's not having the, the impact that I expected. Um, yeah, the Falcons are just a waste of time. I, I, but again, Washington continues to impress me, even though I don't think they will win their division. But T Taylor Heineke, a.k.a. Heineken man, I like what I'm seeing from him, though. Honestly, I, I, I'll give him his flaws. I like what I'm seeing from him. Boy, has heart, if it's anything. I am glad that you have joined me on the Heineken train because <laughs> I have been singing his praises since he played that playoff game last season. Now, the main thought that I had where this game was concerned is that the Falcons are just like the Jaguars. The Falcons cannot 
figure out how to close a game out and end on the winning side. They were up and then they were not, and then they they just lost. Now, one of the bigger issues that the Falcons have is their lack of running game. They have not been really able to effectively run the football in any of their first four matches this season. And when you have Matt Ryan throwing 42 passes, that is far too many, especially at this stage of his career. And he he doesn't have it anymore, as far as I'm concerned. No, he so, doesn't. So, yeah, that, that's the Falcons. And but of course they're in my division, so as long as they keep losing, I will be happy. No, the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, forty-two to thirty in favor of the Chiefs. Your thoughts? Uh, I didn't really have much to say here, you know, because I expected I expected the, the Chiefs to win this game, even when it seemed like the Eagles were going to make a, a, a tight contest of it. I expected the Chiefs to do what needed to be done, but giving up 30 points to the Eagles is not good. I don't like it. Not from not from a team with um, Super Bowl aspirations. Um, Jalen Hurts, and, and we were speaking about this in the chat, Jalen Hurts does not look good playing the quarterback position. And Ken, he had 387, let me, let me know, 387 yards against that Kansas City defense on a day when he did not look good. I don't like how it looks for Kansas City. I have nothing to say about the Eagles. You know what? I just realized that I feel like I'm getting into Cowboys mode mentally, though. I just, I just dismissing every... I just dismissing almost all of the other teams in the division, you know. That's fine, though. But I, the Eagles are what they are right now at Dumpster Fire, and the, I'll, I'll speak more about the Chiefs later, though. But I, I'm not surprised that they won. Well... The Chiefs are this week my um, most concerning or my least inspiring victors this week. Because, as you said, the Chiefs' defense right now is abysmal. I talked just now about how bad the Saints' defense was against the Giants. Mm -hmm. But the Kansas City Chiefs' defense, they can't stop the run. As you said, they gave up way too many points just now. I saw a tweet, I think it was from Mina Kimes. She had a, a gif up where there was a sniper. Um, who was saying every time an opposing quarterback looks at Sorensen, the safety for the Chiefs, he's, he's just out there like food now. So <laughs> the Chiefs right now, they have some severe problems on the defensive side that yeah. they really need to, um, to figure out. The margins right now are too slim for Patrick Mahomes to be imprecise. And we saw that last week when they lost to the Chargers. Mm -hmm. They... This, the difference between the Chiefs' offense and the other teams in the division when their defense is playing that, not just in their division, but in the NFL, when their defense is playing that poorly, it is not great enough anymore that he can just be over here ad-libbing and throwing no-look passes and stuff like that. No, he has to know, knuckle down and play some serious, good, fundamental football Mm -hmm. And make sure that he puts his team in the correct position to win because that defense is not doing it mm -hmm. at all. All right, so that was them. And then next up, we have the Panthers and your new home team, the Cowboys. The Cowboys beating the Panthers 36-28. to 28. Yeah, man, again, I don't want to sound like a homer, but the Cowboys are legit. 
we all we laugh at the Cowboys year after year, but this is a really good team, Ken. This is a really good, and obviously, I'm I'm here now, so that was my local. That was who was playing locally for me, right? So I was able to catch a little a little bit of it. Listen, offensively, these men could run the ball. Mind you, Zeke had a couple low weeks, and even when he was not playing at his best, they had Tony Pollard step up. They can run the ball. Dak is back, and, and we know what Dak offers offensively, and they have a very good receiving core. Let's be honest. E even the tight ends could, could give us something, right? On the defensive side of the ball, you see Trayvon Diggs? <sighs> Boy. Well, first of all, he's been a better Diggs brother so far this season, right? Because I know what Stefan really doing for my fantasy money. But again, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> now, nah, can I put a lot into this man? There's a lot of faith into this man. He, he hasn't been repaying. But anyhow, I think Trayvon Diggs has like... I, I, I forgot to check that stat. He, he has either three or four picks for uh, it. Could he has be like one a pick, pick every, in a, game. every game. There we yes. go. There we go. One of them, Jalen Hurts, made it so easy for him um, in that primetime game. But he is playing remarkably, and Micah Parsons as well. Shh. I, I swear this man can do everything. The, the, generally, the defense looks good. And mind you, this is with Demarcus Lawrence out. They still have players to come back. I, I think the division is a lock. And they might even... I ain't, I ain't going as far as sensationalizing and saying that they're a Super Bowl contender. Make sure no Cowboy fans are wrong here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going as far as saying that, but I do think that they could at least win a postseason game, even if it's one. Even if it's one. Just, just on the makeup of this team. And, yeah. oh, I, sorry, I must add that, yeah. Defensively, the... the um, What's his name? Is Dan Quinn? Um, mm -hmm. That had he he has them looking really good defense. Like uh, just as a unit, outside of the individual talent, as a unit, they look really good defensively compared to last season. All right. Well, I mean, you you waxed so poetically on the Cowboys. I I don't have much to add on that. I just had that the Panthers were the number one defense coming into this game, and the Cowboys definitely put on a show on the supposed number one defense in the league. I know that number is definitely padded because my offense did not show up against them in week two, it was. So, yeah, right now, the, the Cowboys are definitely looking pretty good. Now, the Seahawks, they went into the um, San Francisco area and beat the 49ers 28-21. to This is another discussion that we were having. So I, the very first thought right after the game ended, it was like, I, I was wondering if this is really the end for Jimmy G. And I feel like this is, this is a longer discussion that we can have at some point. But he's injured again. And we knew this was going to happen at some point. Just didn't know if it was going to be sooner or later. And Trey Lance was in. So now the discussions have, have begun as, as to whether or not... Um, He's played his last game as a starting quarterback for this team, Jimmy G, that is. Uh, that remains to be seen. With regards to the Seahawks, the Seahawks aren't very good either, you know. And I, you remember I said this. I said this before. This was my pick for the team that I don't think would be as good as last season. Mm -hmm. The Seahawks aren't very good. Um, I, I just had to write something on them today. And the Seahawks have the worst defense like in, in, in total, they've given up the most points in the league so far. They're not very good at stopping the run. They're not very good 
in the secondary in in the air. The again is is Russell Wilson. I mean, they're both middle of the pack when it comes to running on offense. Um, again, it's Russell Wilson who's carrying the team. Um, Tyler Lockett is having a very good year so far. DK Metcalf, uh, you know, he would do his thing. But outside of that, this team is not good, Ken. They're not. Um, so, I mean, there will be games that Russ is going to carry them. So I wasn't surprised that this happened, especially with Jimmy going down. Uh, Trey Lance is not going to beat Russell Wilson, but yeah, that's as much as I can say for this. Well, what I had here, um, Jimmy and his injury, as you said, we knew it was coming. Jimmy is always injured. I said yeah. the last time we were here that Jimmy G is soda bakes Jimmy, wet soda bakes Jimmy, and just <laughs> as I called it. Week four, calf can't handle it. He is out. So he he is he is well, they said that they're evaluating him, and there is a possibility that he may actually play this week coming. Mm. We'll see. Lance went nine of eighteen for 157 yards and two touchdowns. And of course, a lot of that was helped out by one D boy Samuel, who was literally beasting in this game. And he helped me pull out a fantasy win. So I am appreciative whenever I can find the guy <laughs> that is a favorite wide receiver for a quarterback. And that was Debo this week. Now, the next game was one of the marquee games of the weekend. Cardinals at Rams. Cardinals 37 to 20 over the Rams. And what do you have to say for this one? Yeah, this one was a shocker, right? I, they were both unbeaten going into this divisional matchup, and I thought the Rams would come out on top. I really thought this was the end of the Cardinals' unbeaten run, and boy, was I wrong. I, and, and Which brings me to my biggest loser for the week, the LA Rams, and I'll tell you why. It's not based on the numbers, right? Obviously, because by, by numbers, they weren't the biggest loser in terms of margin, but it's because of how they lost. Um, so like I said, they were both unbeaten coming in. Uh, uh, you know, division games tend to be a little more of a, 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 a of an uptight um, kind of affair, right? Um, but throughout the first three weeks, most people were thinking that based on how the Rams were playing so far, especially behind Matthew Stafford, um, that the, this division was going to be theirs, right? And then everybody else was fighting for second base. But for the Cardinals to, to pull off this victory in the manner that they did. And, and by that, I mean dominating on both sides of the ball, right? Because Arizona was, they were, over the weekend, they were the first offense to put up 30 points on this Rams defense this season, right? No one else had done it as yet. And on the defensive side of the ball, they were the first um, defense to hold Matthew Stafford below 100 passer rating for the season as well. He, I think he's he still had like two hundred seventy something yards or whatever, but it it like they 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 dominated the line of scrimmage. They were they they were all over the Rams. Like like I said, both offensively and defensively, and this felt like a statement win. And I I mean I know it's it's still early. I'm not trying to cry wolf right now. The Rams still could probably um, beat them in the return game. But I don't know. I just feel like this win kind of stamps dominance 
this, this was this was a game to stamp your dominance on the division. And the Rams couldn't do it. Uh, like I said, they were dominating. And that's why, for me, they're the biggest losers this week. So it feels as if you have been peeping at my prep notes for <laughs> some of these things. Because everything that you just said, it's kind of mm. what I had too, because I had it going the opposite direction, though. I said that the Cardinals were the biggest winners of the weekend because nobody expected the Cardinals to be good. Or at least not to be not this, this good. good. Not this good. Not this good. We, not this good. We expected that with everything happening and everybody coming back and everybody fit, the Cardinals were still going to be fourth in this division. We thought that the 49ers would have been good for maybe second or third. The Seahawks may or may not have been good enough to sneak in at second, but no, definitely no lower than third. Mm-hmm. But that the Rams were going to be the creme de la creme of the NFC West. It clearly is completely different because now the Cardinals mm-hmm. are the only unbeaten team left in the NFL. And in the entire league. <laughs> and that defense, who do you block up front? You can't double team Chandler Jones if you have JJ Watt on the other side or on the interior. So no, it is causing all kinds of problems. Their secondary is mm-hmm. being a lot better than we anticipated. We have to give it to the Cardinals. The Cardinals are actually legit for this season yep seems so all right now we're coming close to the end Steelers and Packers Steelers 17 Packers 27 are we really surprised when the Steelers lose anymore like I, I feel like at, like at this point is is more of a surprise if they win a game especially against a good team uh the Steelers don't have a quarterback can they don't they don't have a quarterback. That, that was my first thought coming out of this game. Uh, again, this is not a game I, I was privy to. I didn't I look at this because at the point in time when that was going on, I wasn't um, looking at red zone. So I didn't see much of the highlights. So I'm just going based on stats. And um, a couple of clips I, I would have seen afterwards. The Steelers do not have a quarterback. On the center, they don't have one on the bench neither. And they played Aaron Rodgers. A rematch of of um of, of that Super Bowl it was like ten years ago. Yeah, same outcome. Well, I heard that the Steelers are in serious trouble. And my, I remember when I had them picked at the beginning of the season to be the third team coming out of that division. Clearly, I didn't know what I was talking about. Right now, Ben is abysmal. He had. I have 5.8 yards per attempt in this game. So, yeah. And the Packers, the Packers, they have gotten their act together after getting smoked in week one. So, yeah, we can move on. Ravens, 23, Broncos, 7. Uh, so, I know Teddy went down in this game. I do not know how early it was. Um, and I was kind of, I guess that that changed the entire outlook of the game for me because the Broncos um, coming into this game have one of the best defenses in the league. So I thought it was going to be a bit of a rough day for Lamar. Mind you, still started him in one of my fantasy leagues. They can't bench that guy. But um, I was kind of surprised at the outcome that they were only able to put up seven points, even with Julok. I know Julok can't. In all that good, 
but still, I, that was that was kind of my um, my main takeaway. Like how how bad the team looked with Teddy Bridgewater not there. Um, I mean, they they still had been surviving without Jerry Judy, but. It, it, I, I never thought that Teddy Bridgewater would be so important to a team. Well, it's interesting that, as you may have mentioned, that Teddy did go down with the concussion. And right now he's still in the protocol, so we have to watch that and see what happens. KJ Hamler last week tore his... KJ Hamler is another one that was... It is Achilles or his... Is, he tore a ligament. I don't remember exactly mm-hmm. where the ligament is, but he's done for the year. But... My biggest takeaway from this game was that Lamar was doing it as a passer. He wasn't doing it as a runner. Lamar Jackson in this game, he stood in the pocket. He was throwing the ball all over the field, and he did a pretty good job. This was the first truly competitive game, or at least a better quality opponent for the Broncos. They came up short. So that is something that we definitely have to to keep an eye on. And of course, you know, there was a little controversy at the end of the game, but we will, you know, I will address that a little bit later on in today's show. Gotcha. All right. So for Sunday Night Football, we had the, well, your Florida team against your Boston team. (laughs) I so want the Patriots to be good so all of you Moonlighters can get out of my division. Anyhow, the Buccaneers, they beat the Patriots 19 to 17. This, I had a lot to say about this game because, um, I, again, I don't like how we looked, and it's it's the same thing I've been bemoaning for, probably as long as we've known each other. Like, I I don't I I'm I'm not sure, and I said this in a chat, and I then told you, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have made that statement because some of the vultures were taking it to to mean that yeah about Bill Belichick and the Cam Newton situation and whatnot I think it goes way beyond that what I said is that I don't feel like Bill Belichick knows how to organize an offense without Tom Brady and that it goes beyond just Cam can you know I've been lamenting for seasons now his draft choices Nikhil Harry and workout I feel like there's some other bum that we drafted who didn't work out. Like, and the name eludes me at this point. Sony Michelle was good for about a year, no longer with the team. I like what I, to, to quote what you said earlier. What are we doing? What are we doing? And and something I said in the group, right? I actually heard echoed by a, a professional in in the media today. Today, and he was saying this team does not have playmakers. That's the same thing I said. We don't have playmakers. We have guys filling these roster positions. So we have some tight ends in the 53-man team. We have some wide receivers. We have we have a receiving core and whatnot, but we don't have... These guys are not playmakers. They're not. And 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 we have... Uh, uh, mind you, Mac Jones hasn't looked bad, you know. But at this point, he's basically managing games. Like, he's not a, a, a game winner. He's not that at this point. Mm-hmm. He's, not, he's not necessarily the the uh, primary play caller, you know, he's not at that level. And, and he doesn't have the help around him to, to make the offense, to make the offense look good. And we, can we just don't look good? We don't. You know, we're, we're the only team, we are the only team that couldn't put at least 20 points past, past the Bucks. And, 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 and 
that brings me actually to my most concerning win is the Bucks for me. Because I I, 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 I know if that one surprises you, but it is the Bucks because you know that the Bucks passing defense is the worst in the entire NFL with all the injuries that they, and I mean statistically, statistically, they're at the bottom of the league. You know that, that with, with all the injuries they had, because um, Jamel Dean down, Murphy Bunting was down since week one. Um, Carlton Davis went down as well. Uh, they have a walking injury on the field in Richard Sherman. So the second, the secondary is decimated, right? Again, <laughs> in terms of stats, again, they have given up the most yards in the air in the entire NFL. This, these are the reigning Super Bowl champs, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, it has a lot to do with the injuries. But they, they, with all of that being said, um, they only, even, even with that, even with that, sorry, it, the, the, the Pats couldn't put up a lot of points um, over that defense. Yet still, it came down to the last, uh, the last um, field goal attempt of the night, where where if had Nick Folk had made it, we I had no faith in him to make it. But you know, it, it they were they were weather conditions and it was in against the wind and whatnot, whatever, whatever. But we we talking about one being one field goal away from losing to the Pats, who are not good. This is this is it is a concern for me because. Uh, again, I, I, I mentioned earlier about teams who will need to eke out wins when they're not that consistent. But the Bucs are not that team. They're the reigning Super Bowl champs. They're looking to this year win the division and go back and repeat as champions. And the team is not the... I, I, I don't like them. A 1917 win over the Patriots? It doesn't look good. doesn't look good. Uh, there were my second options for my um, least inspiring victory as well. For the same reasons that you just said, the Patriots were, I guess you could say, six inches away from winning that game. And their secondary is absolutely decimated. If my Saints could get their act together, we would be favorites for the division. Mm -hmm. But my offense does not look good either. And right now, I'm just waiting to see what happens as the season progresses, we are going to get healthier on offense, but their defense, they continue to leak people in the secondary. One good thing that came out from it, I guess, depending on your perspective and especially the disciples of Brady and the um, TB12 method would be celebrating that Brady was the fourth quarterback to have notched a victory over all 32 franchises in the NFL. So congratulations to him. That was homecoming number two for this week with Andy Reid being the first one. So Mm -hmm. that was great for them. And then last night to finish up our blitz, the Monday night football game was Raiders versus Chargers. What do you have on this game? Ooh, I, I, I want I'll probably mention a bit more about the charges later, but it, it was all about the charges for me though. I we I mean we both picked them to win this game. Um the manner in which it happened, again, you know, um stomping all over the Raiders to early lead because they scored on the first drive, if I if I'm not mistaken, right? Did the it? very first drive of the game, right? And it was like 21-0 at the half, and then Raiders came back out, got themselves back into the game. 
But the Chargers are actually a really good football team, though. They're actually a really good football team. And again, like I said, um, I will speak about that later. I'm, I, I didn't have much to say about the Raiders generally. I think Derek Carr didn't have the best night. I still think he's a really good quarterback. But he didn't have the best night. And that has a lot to do with the Chargers defense. Because to be very fair, and remember you commented in the chat saying that the game was not good. It was a defensive masterclass early on. And then... As, as it went on, the offenses started started to open up and do a bit more. But it, it was a good game to end the week, though. No, you have to understand when they said that the game was not good, I was complaining specifically from a fantasy, fantasy perspective. perspective. Because I, I was Mike watching Williams, that right? game and I needed some <laughs> stuff from Mike Williams and I needed some stuff from Derek Kerr and I was getting nothing from either. I was very, very frustrated watching that game. But as you said, from the neutral standpoint, it was actually a very good game because defensively, both teams were playing very well. The Chargers' defense is legit. Their quarterback is legit. Their wide receiving core is deeper than I anticipated. And their running game, when Eckler is fit, is very, very effective. That is a major caveat for him because he falls under the category of some of the others, like Jimmy Garoppolo and Dalvin Cook. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when he goes down with some some sort of injury. But I have been very critical of John Gruden, and I didn't see anything in that game in terms of a, a game plan or anything of that sort to say, well... Maybe the players let him down. Gooden didn't put them in the best position, I believe, for them to succeed. So mm-hmm. that is that is all they had where the Raiders are concerned. And that brings us to the end of the Blitz. Now, AJ, um, in lieu of this week's Who Do You Trust? We're looking, just going to take a quick look at the quarter this well. This is just around a quarter of the season for most, well, everybody. Everybody's mm-hmm. played the first four games in the first four weeks. So mm-hmm. who's your pick right now for the strongest division in the NFL? Um, the NFC West. The, the, that division is exactly, um, is exactly what we expected it to be. Uh, four teams, all of whom are, are good enough to, to make the playoffs and on their day can be a, a, a very formidable opponent. And it hasn't disappointed so far. Like the, the team sitting at the bottom of the division is still at 500. The, the Cardinals are unbeaten. Uh, they seemingly have a, have a, a vice grip on the division. Um, the Rams are still there, obviously. Like the division is still close, to be very honest. So to me, uh, they're the strongest as, as expected. So my biggest, my strongest division is also West. But it's actually AFC West. Yes, we do have concerns about the Broncos. They just, you know, they didn't look very good playing against their best opponent so far. The Raiders, they just lost a divisional game to the Chargers. However, mm-hmm. the Chargers, the Broncos, the Raiders, they're all three and one. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs, who everyone believes is the best team in the division, is sitting at the bottom at two and two. And yes, while we do have concerns about their defense, we cannot conduct their offense. So when you put all of this into consideration, then 
I have to give it to the AS West, excuse me, as the best team in, well, the best division right now in football. So when we talk about who is the strongest division, then of course we have to say which one is the weakest. And I'm, I'll be surprised if you and I disagree on this one, but who is your weakest division? In my division, <laughs> the, the FCs. Yeah. 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 It's not shocking me. Yeah. I'm glad to surprise bit. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Ken, Ken, listen, right? This is why I'll tell you that. We all expected the AFC South to be bad because as, as we've been seeing for weeks now, two of those teams are absolute dumpster fires. Like, we don't expect much from them, right? Mm-hmm. We know they're going to be terrible week in and week out. But in the, in the East, there's one team over 500. And in, in, in our AFCs, there's one team over 500, the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. who were in the AFC Championship game last year. This is a quarter way into the season. One team in this division is over 500. Mind you, two of the other teams, the, the Jets are rebuilding again, so we didn't expect them to be too good. But the Patriots and the Dolphins put a lot into uh, a lot of investment into their team in the offseason to make sure that this team could try to get to the postseason. And we're a quarter way through the season, and neither of these teams looks like they, they're going to get out of this division in a wildcard spot. We all expected the Bills to win the, the division again, but the Pats and, and, and the Dolphins would have been going for a wildcard spot. Neither of them look like they belong anywhere near. According to Jim Mora, playoffs. Playoffs? <laughs> nah, bro. And, and it, it, that's why I say it's the worst because look how much money Bill Belichick invested in, in, in the offense. Look how many players we brought over on defense, how many we brought back. We are one and three. The Pats are one and three. The Dolphins, they, they put their faith in Tua. They drafted a wide receiver specifically for him. They, they made sure the whole lot is Xavier Howard. They made all sorts of, of uh, um, roster moves as well to, to try and make this team better. They are also one and three. I, I think this division is crap. Honestly, it is the worst. Well, I don't disagree that the division is crap. <laughs> because, I mean, we, I have been very critical in the past of the AFC East when the Patriots were dominating the division every year. Yeah. Now yeah. the Bills have taken the Patriots' place and the Patriots have taken the Bills' place. Right now, as you said, it is one team three and one, the others are one and three. That doesn't look good. However... It is still the AFC South for me. The AFC, you said that the AFC South, we expected them to be bad. We did not expect the Titans to be this bad. The Titans are mm-hmm. two and two. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is losing. There are 500. The Texans and the Colts are one and three. And then there's the Jaguars who are zero and four. When, when you stack up what is happening in the South, the South looks right now. The AFC South looks now like the NFC East looked like for the last two years. Mm. Everybody is bad. There's not one yeah. good team in that division. Yeah. So yeah. When, when I look and I take all of that into consideration, I cannot give anybody else the crown as the weakest division than the South. Now, who do you consider to be the most surprising division thus far in the um, season. Well, you kind of touched on it, so I will just piggyback off of that as previously. The AFC West, actually, I did not expect the Chiefs to be this bad. I didn't expect the Chiefs to be at the foot of the division <laughs> <laughs> after the first four games, like a month in, and the Chiefs are at the bottom of the division. I, mind you, I still think, like, 
when you have the best quarterback, you have the, the best chance of winning a division, right? They have the best quarterback in the division, arguably, arguably, they're the best quarterback in the league, but um, most talented at least. But so I still expect them to win the division, the, the division. However, I didn't expect them to be uh, to be this bad at this point. And um, the Raiders and Broncos are actually a lot better than I expected as well. Definitely. I, I didn't expect Teddy Bridgewater going to the Broncos would, would give them such a lift um, offensively. Um, the Raiders, I didn't know what to mean. I, I think I did have the Raiders like third in the division at, at about somewhere about 500 again. Mind you, that's still possible because we know they're very capable of going on losing runs. So that's still very possible. But at this point, I didn't actually expect them to look to look decent. And the Chargers at now, Ken, you know Justin Herbert is my guy. Yes, I, I've invested a lot in him in fantasy. Like he is the one quarterback I was looking for in almost in basically all of my leagues in fantasy. Right, I have so much faith in this guy, but still. And, and you mentioned it before. This Chargers defense is really good. Derwin James is playing really well. Um, and another name, I cannot remember. The name may come to me afterwards, but the defense looks really good. Offensively, Justin Herbert is getting all of, all, all of his um, receiving core into the game. I mean, as you said, Eckler was always good, but it was just, it's just a matter of him dealing with injuries. Uh, but again, the receiving core, Keenan Allen, you would think is the number one, but Mike Williams has become one of uh, Herbert's favorite targets. Yo, even, even Jared Cook, even Jared Cook looks a bit renewed. And, and I think they're well coached. Brandon Staley is doing a, a, generally is doing a very good job. And he trusts Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert is repaying his faith. I think so far this season, they have gone for it the most on fourth downs. And I, I, I don't think they fail at any point in time. They, they've, they have, they have, yeah, they, they've gotten every four down, four down that they went on. And each time, Staley has put the ball in, in the hands of Justin Herbert and he has delivered. I didn't expect the Chargers to be this good. Um, yeah, and I didn't expect the Chiefs to be at the bottom of this division. So that is the biggest surprise to me. So the biggest surprise for me is actually the NFC East. I expected the NFC East to be poor again mm. this season. I expected them to finish this the the season, the regular season, with no team better than eight and nine. I expected them to have a losing record again. However, what I've seen so far from the Cowboys is very impressive. Well, the defense has been there are thereabouts in the main. Well, they do have a star cornerback who's been picking off a ball every game. And Michael Parsons, as you said, has been doing a lot. I still don't fully trust their defense, but I do trust their offense. And their offense is playing very good. As Ryan Clark said last night, well, Monday night on Sports Center, the Cowboys are good enough to overcome the worst coach that they have on their sidelines which is their head coach, Mike McCarthy. So oh, yeah. they've been looking They've been looking good. Their offense has been as good as appetized. The Washington football team is much improved. Taylor Heineke has them playing at a very high level. Their defense, especially the defensive line, is where the majority of their money has gone, and they've been doing a very good job. Then when you then move to the Giants, the Giants just beat the Saints 
in the Superdome, the first time we've been home since the hurricane, first time we've been home for the entire season, you would have thought that the Saints would have been able to take care of business, but the Giants hung around. And then, as you said, a, re a seemingly rejuvenated Saquon Barkley finished the game off. Then there are the Eagles. I'm not basing breath on the Eagles, but <laughs> when you look at the other three teams in that division, they are a lot better than we expected they would have been. Okay. So who's your biggest um, surprise as a team? Which team has been the biggest positive for you? Right now, I have to say it's the Cardinals because, again, I thought the Cardinals would be the team that would be that would be struggling a bit in this division, right? Um, I didn't expect them. I mean, I expected them to be a good team still, but not um, only unbeaten team in the league type of good. I, I, after a, a full month in, like, Kyler Murray is playing at, at, at an MVP level right now. Um, they actually are making AJ Green look like, not, not like the AJ Green of old at the Bengals, but like, like he's actually useful again. Um, D-Hop is D-Hop. One of the biggest surprises for me is Chase Edmonds. Uh, he's another guy. I had, I had a modicum of faith in him because, again, he, he, I actually drafted him in a couple of fantasy leagues because I know what he offers. Um, he's a dual threat, so I know what he could offer, and he has been delivering so far this season. And I, I'm just genuinely surprised that the Cardinals are this good. And, and, and obviously, we spoke about the defense as well. The defense is solid. The defense is really solid. Um, from, and they set a precedent in week one when Charlie Jones took down... Um, who, who were they playing in week one? I can't remember who they played in week one, though. Uh, whoever it was they played, when he had five sacks in the first game. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. I don't think he's looked back since then. Yeah, that was I, the Titans. The Titans. There Titans. we go. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, I I didn't expect the Cardinals to be this good. They are the the the, the biggest positive. Yeah. Well, I also had them picked as my biggest surprise of the season so far. So I'll just say I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. And then, um, who has been your biggest disappointment so far? The Chiefs. Can honestly, the the defense just does not look good. It doesn't look good. The, their defense has not been able to keep opposing offenses off the field, and that's never a good sign. I generally the team looks it, they look sloppy to me. It looked like they just like uh, again like um, Patrick Mahomes is just carrying this team, right? I, I, and I mentioned it earlier. They gave up thirty points to the Eagles. Like you and I were sitting there in a chat talking about how bad, how bad. Jalen Hurts was looking, playing the position of quarterback, yet still he was able to, draw, to have 378 yards on this team and put up 30 points. And that's, that's inexcusable. The Chiefs can't be doing this, looking, looking to, uh, trying to vie for a Super Bowl at this point. I, like, I, I just, I don't like the optics of it. The, the offense is still going to put up points, but defensively, I... You, you, I, I don't see how you win a Super Bowl with your team looking like this. Like they, they need to button up. They need to make some changes and 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 button up a bit on, especially on defense. So my pick for the biggest disappointment so far this season is the Pittsburgh Steelers. The That's Pittsburgh good. Steelers are one and three. Mm -hmm. They can't throw the ball past the shadow of their quarterback. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so that's 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 the first issue. Their wide receiving core has not been the healthiest. They've had some issues with injuries in games. Najee Harris has not been the revelation that they've been hoping for running the football, but he has been getting a lot of work catching the football because mm -hmm. he's standing near to the line and that's as far as Ben can throw it. So when you take all of that into consideration, their offensive line can't pass block, can't run block. Their defensive line has been okay, but their secondary again has been porous. The Pittsburgh Steelers are easily the my biggest disappointment. No, of course, we didn't expect the Houston Texans. We thought the Houston Texans were going to be the first team to go 0 17. Then we need not mention them. We didn't expect anything from Urban Meyer and the Jaguars. We don't need to mention them. They're also witness. The Lions have been playing hard football. They just haven't managed to win a game yet. We don't need to mention them. I think we have two good two good options for the biggest disappointments mm -hmm. so far this season. Now we turn the page on week four and we look ahead to week five. So AJ, what are your picks for the games to pay attention to this week? Week five is starting off with a bang. And I, that's one of, I actually had to write an article previewing that game today. Um, Rams versus the Seahawks. Uh, another division, divisional game, divisional game. And the Rams need to bounce back. Uh, based on how, based on what happened to them last week, they need a, a win, a statement win at that. And like I mentioned to you earlier, the Seahawks are not very good. Their defense is abysmal. Defense is terrible. So I will very much be looking forward to that game on Thursday. Um, and you and I kind of mentioned on the side, like all of the prime time, all of the prime times this week, games this week are. Whew, that's some, that's going to be some action. That's going to be some action. So the Bills and Chiefs, the other game, Colts, Ravens, that's Monday night. In between that, though, I'm very interested in seeing the Browns-Chargers game um, because the Browns' defense is really good. I want to see what Justin Herbert can do against that defense. I don't think it's necessarily a case of him having to prove anything, but I would just like to see how he performs against a, a defense that's stout. And um, I expect their offense to be better than the Browns' offense, but... I want to see if the defense will keep the Chargers at bay enough for, for Baker to be like half decent and, and grind out another win. All right. So those are your three picks. We share one pick. I, I kind of stayed away from the primetime games because I figured that the primetime games, you would mention the primetime games. So, but I did have the Browns and the Chargers, which they're two up-and-coming teams, two teams mm -hmm. that are definitely looking decent this season. Chargers more so than the Browns, but the Browns have a legit defense. The Chargers have a legit defense. And I'm very curious to see how the Chargers' offense matches up against the Browns' defense. That definitely more than I am curious about it going the other way because mm -hmm. you know how much I love Juan Baker Mayfield. The other two games that I had picked here um, as games of interest, maybe not necessarily um, in terms of spectacle, but have interesting storylines. The Lions and the Vikings, that's a divisional game in the NFC North. 
And as you may mention of just now, the NFC, well, divisional games in general tend to be pretty interesting. We have two teams that are headed in opposite directions. The Lions, as I keep saying, they're playing hard football. They just haven't found a way to win yet. The Vikings, on the other hand, have been less than advertised. And as a result, I believe that this is where the Lions could get their first win of the season and continuing to turn the heat up under one Mike Zimmer. And then the other game that I had saved, well mentioned here for interest is another divisional game. And this is one out of that trash can of the AFC South. <laughs> the Titans and the Jaguars. Because the Titans, the Titans frustrate me, because you know that I have been I have been on the the train of Ryan Tannehill and saying that you know he's yeah. a better quarterback than a lot of people give him credit for, and then this mm-hmm. season he has not been able to show it. However, they're playing against the Jaguars, and somebody somebody has to win this game. It would be fitting if mm-hmm. this game ended in a tie. Because both of these teams are bad. <laughs> However, I, interesting. I, I do believe that the Titans should win, but it's going to be interesting to see if Urban Meyer can get his first win as a head right. coach of the Jaguars in this game. Mm. All right, so that brings us now to the end of our topics for this week. And then it is now a moment for the final thought. And this week, it is my turn. And there, there were some interesting things that happened this week. Like, um, we had the rating of the offices of the Washington football team by the feds. The FBI rolled up to get some stuff from one of the coaches because apparently this coach has been misbehaving. We will probably touch on that another time. We don't have time for mm-hmm. that today. But today, I have entitled my little thought, What is football and for a lot of people who are still in the Caribbean they may not understand this game so maybe I can help them um, with a couple things so football is a game of inches or so the cliche goes that can go for inches on the field sometimes measured by an index card to determine a first down or the inches off the fingertips or around an arm trying to get in the pocket, which is the, you know, the catching zone for the receiver. It is also considered to be a man's game, even though we have women playing in the lingerie football league, wearing what the name suggests, plus pads, and they're still tackling ferociously. You can look it up. I'll put you up on some game today. No. What football is, is also dangerous. With the weekly injury list enough to make an orthopedist rich and a health insurance provider broke. One research model shows an average of 75.4 injuries per every 1,000 athlete exposures. And in a game where there are 92 players or 92 athlete exposures, that runs out to about seven injuries per game. And these injuries can go from the mundane calf strain to broken bones and concussions. And I'm sure that those of you who have had calf strains would say that there's nothing mundane feeling about a calf strain. But I digress. 
Football is also insanely popular here in the U.S. with 32 teams in 30 cities spread across the country. And even cities who don't have or have never had an NFL team still have their residents picking and rooting for different teams for different reasons. The Super Bowl is the most popular TV event here with more than 80 million viewers every year since, since 2000 with a high mark of 114.4 million viewers in 2015. And that was the Super Bowl with the New England Patriots mm -hmm. yeah. and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, what I didn't realize was that football had an unwritten rule, which apparently was also unspoken. Now, we know the customary don't run up the score, where the team that's blowing out an opponent tends not to keep scoring touchdown after touchdown and making the score into something ridiculous. But apparently, there's an etiquette to kneel downs at the end of the game. That is, if you're winning, you take a knee, we shake hands, and go home. But Baltimore eschewed this great tradition of tacking negative yardage onto your rushing totals. No, they had a streak that they wanted to continue. Now, coming into this game, the Baltimore Ravens, they sat at 42 consecutive, sorry, 42 consecutive games with 100 rushing yards as a team. And when they caught the final interception, they were sitting at 97. If they took the knee, with three seconds left on the clock, they would fall to 95 or 96. And instead of taking a knee, Lamar Jackson scampered for a five-yard gain, causing much angst from the Denver Broncos players and coaching staff. Vic Fangio, head coach of the Broncos, said, and I quote, Yeah, I thought it was kind of bullshit. But yeah, I expected it from them. 37 years in Pro Bowl, I've never seen anything like that. But it was to be expected, and we expected it. Because I just know how they operate. That's just their mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. Okay, coach. You knew they were going to do it, but you still going to stop it? If there was enough of a billboard <laughs> that says, we're running the football. I think you do what you could to stop them, no? Yeah. After all, what's the point of putting the defense on the field if not to stop the opponent? But that's not the worst part. Now we're saying that player safety is secondary. Well, before I comment, I'll let Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh respond. Throwing the ball in the end zone, 10 seconds left. I don't know that there's a 16-point touchdown that's going to be possible right there. So that didn't have anything to do with winning the game. So to recap, Fangio is calling out the Ravens and talking about player safety. But he's taking three timeouts after 37 seconds left in regulation, down 16 points. Taking a shot into the end zone with no realistic time to make up the deficit. But you're upset that the team ran the ball. If we're talking player safety you would probably have just taken a knee and let the game end because there was no way that you were going to win it. But while we are going to criticize the team who ran the football on the last play of the game to keep their streak alive, we always say, oh, the other team, the team that is losing, they're just trying to build momentum for the next week as if anything that happens this week is going to matter 
really next week. This is a simple attempt at deflection and distraction because the Broncos came up short and you couldn't do anything about it. Let's hope next week brings back more joy and less whining for Coach Fangio. Well said. <laughs> well said. I, I have nothing more to add, obviously. Well said. I agree. Deflection at its finest. Yeah, that's it. Yep. So that brings us to the end of another Green Beige podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And we will see you next time.